Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. Always a delight to have with us Todd Friel. Todd is an amazing person. He is the host of Wretched TV. He writes books. He's an apologist. He's a theologian. Um, he dresses unbelievably well. Uh, he shaved, but he needs a haircut in the back, and he wears do, old man glasses. I, you know, I, oh, <laughs> I know I do. Believe me, I know I do. I just hate going to the barber, and I don't know why this... You know what? It is dangerously close to me becoming Pony Boy, where I could actually, like, pull... I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying. Okay, Perry, as long as you brought up clothing and haircut, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to I share something with you. Yeah, yeah. I just watched a debate between a Presbyterian and a Baptist over the subject of baptism. Now, here's here's the great news. Despite their disagreement, lovely fellowship, super congenial, you know, sort of the way Christians should be with one another, even when we disagree on secondary and tertiary issues. And there was there was an audience that watched the debate. And by all accounts, it, it seemed the impression was that one of them won. And here was my conclusion as to the reason why, because as I listened to the debate, I listened to the debate. They really both sounded really smart and had powerful arguments for their case. But if you looked at them, one was wearing adult clothes. The other one was in like the groovy jersey with a baseball cap on. And I have concluded that perceptually the audience thought the guy who looked more credible was actually the one who won, despite the fact that, in my opinion, they both did an excellent job. All that to say, Pastor, what are you wearing to church on Sunday? Okay, I'm done. Okay. I, uh... It's a thing. Look, it's a thing. <laughs> Why aren't you wearing a Speedo to do this interview? And by the way, we're all very grateful you're not. You got dressed up. You can say, hey, this is what I'm trying to communicate to people. So I'm going to interpret you. You want to say, hey, look, I respect you. I took the time to get dressed up. But look at me. I'm in a sweater. I'm trustworthy. I'm warm. This is an inviting place. You're saying something with your clothing. Why is it that sportscasters get dressed up to call a football game? But when we go to church, we look like we're going to the beach as soon as it's done. That's a great question. Just but, asking. I We could go down this road, but uh, I just, I'm a little tired today and I don't need the emails. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something worth, okay, all right. That, that you have, you have, your hands are clean on all of this. I will speak to a number of pastors who defend it and go, look, man, you know, I, I'm just, I want people to know that I'm relatable. Okay, here's a question. When you go to a funeral or to a wedding to officiate, what do you wear? And they'll say, oh, I put on a suit and tie because that's really important. Bingo! Yeah. Doing church is really important. Yeah. What are we communicating with our clothes? Ask the one who could have a ponytail in the back of his head. Thanks for pointing it out, Perry. That's okay. I just want you to know that I, uh, I'm... Notice, uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, otherwise, I know. How, how are you? How are you? You shaved. That looks nice. <laughs> Thank you. This is this is like my monthly accountability session with Perry. Yeah. Well. Hey, listen. Just, uh, 
I want to take advantage of the time that I have you because I value it greatly. But let me just kind of back up a little bit and ask you uh, the Todd Friel 30,000-foot view of what's happening in Israel. Uh, well, I, you know, Israel, it, it's happening in Africa. You are seeing the effect of the fall. You are seeing wickedness. You're also seeing, I think, fulfilled prophecy where we are seeing the descendants of Ishmael, who are a bellicose people, a wild donkey in the wilderness. Now, so you're seeing the Bible being fulfilled in that you are going to always have this war going on between Isaac and Ishmael. And so it's a tragedy, no matter how you slice it. It's bad, but it raises some questions, however. Are there any end-time implications to this? Should I be... Watching Fox News in, in on my palm thingy, majig, and or and should I be reading my Bible and the other and putting these events together? And that's where I think things can get a little messier. Um, is this evidence of the second coming? It depends on how you view eschatological signs. There are some people who would say, be looking for this very thing. Okay, so wars and rumors of war. When you hear that, hey, second coming. But well, I think there's a couple of problems with that. And one is the reality is that we've always heard about wars and rumors of war. We're watching one in Ukraine. We're watching one in Israel and Gaza now. So that has always been going on. So in my estimation, Perry, and not everybody will agree with this, but I never want to get into a theological fistfight over eschatology. I think the signs are not indicators as to when he is going to return, but reminders that he is going to return. So when you hear about earthquakes, you shouldn't go, oh, next Tuesday, he's coming back. No, I hear about an earthquake, that's right. Jesus is going to return. I hear about wars and rumors of wars. Oh, yeah, Jesus is going to return and reign. So I, I don't think personally we should be looking at any of these skirmishes or world events and using them to identify and pinpoint the exact date Jesus is going to return. But simply let them remind us he's coming back. Are they considered birth pains, as the Bible talks about? Yeah, but the question, you know, is how how long will those birth pains endure? So I, I the, the, the other problem with it is we've seen these things before. Israel has been attacked plenty of times. Now, this seems to be a heightened scale. Granted, it was definitely a sneak attack. No doubt about it. Now, Hamas seems to be well funded, courtesy of Iran, courtesy of the United States. But it's 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 one of perhaps hundreds or thousands of similar types of signs we've seen throughout the centuries. So personally, if you disagree, that's groovy. But personally, I, I don't think that this is something that should say, OK, it's going to be like before Christmas. Yeah, I, I don't think people are saying that, but I do think that this no, is significant. Right. So the other part of this is that's so interesting to me, Todd, is... <clears throat> Uh, th this is sh sheer, pure evil. Oh, yeah. Okay. And yet, and yet we're seeing people around the world support it, demonstrating oh, to support it. What does that tell you? Uh, it, it, it tells you 
Look, we've got to remember uh, Jewish people who don't believe in Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, they, they, they aren't saved. They're not born again. Nevertheless, uh, the discrimination of Islam, whether it's Jewish or Christian, the reality is if you're not Islam, well, then you are outside of the truth. You are outside of what they would call salvation. And so they are at war. And so you're right, this is unmitigated evil. And it is a reminder that what we are viewing, and you don't want to get into the details and line by line it into minutia, but you gotta, this is more than bombs and missiles. This is a spiritual thing that is going on. Wars are always a reflection of a worldview. And in this instance, it is a reflection of the religion of peace which, according to history, isn't that peaceful of a religion. So I think this is a spiritual, but keep in mind, you need to understand the eschatology of of Islam. They want world domination to usher in the end times. So they have a goal in all of this. So it is, if you will, spiritual for them. Uh, No doubt it's spiritual for the Jewish people as they witness it. And I think biblically, we're seeing a battle that is much bigger than the land war that is being waged. Yeah. And by the way, if if I could, if I could, Perry, regarding the the signs, you're right. This should, people aren't necessarily picking a date when it comes to seeing the signs. You are absolutely right to offer that corrective. Thank you for that. And I think, though, these signs, they all they should do is stir us and they should cause us to do what evil always does, or at least it should. It should cause us to look up. It should cause that's what that's what John was doing in the book of Revelation. Believers were asking the beloved aged disciple, what's going on? All the persecution and these wars, Christians are being slaughtered. What's happening? And what does John do? He points us up to heaven where we see Jesus reigning as if to tell us, calm down. Yeah, this is going on. Jesus is on his throne. He wins the battle. So you can be calm through the storm. So I think we should, at the very least, let these awful international events turn our eyes upward. And that would be a blessing, even amidst evil. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. um, We really circled today to talk about something. I don't know what this is. Supersessionism. Oh, that that's why you see different evangelical responses to what's happening. There are a lot of evangelicals who are heartbroken over what is happening to Israel. So you've got that on the one hand. Uh, I don't think you have a, a, a Christian who isn't disturbed by the evil that we're seeing. But their attitude regarding Israel is less than uh, as passionate, let's say. And I think the reason is, and, and please note, anytime you talk about eschatology, um, it can get hot. I don't want it to get hot because this is a complex situation. But so this is, this is a generalization. What distinguishes the people who are really concerned about it, hey, what's going on with Jewish people? The ethnic group, what about that landmass known as Israel versus, well, it doesn't really matter, would be the issue of supersessionism. What it basically means is that the church has superseded, the church has replaced Israel, and there is no future plan for ethnic or national Israel. A non-supersessionist would say, oh, yes, there is. Read Romans 9 through 11. Read Revelation 7. There is still a plan for Israel. 
Okay, uh, I, uh, I've heard that in other words. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, this is more pronounced in Christendom than I thought. It's there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it being taught yeah. in seminaries? Yeah, oh, it, it is. And that's that's why, look, right now there's some supersessionists. And by the way, there's varying shades of supersessionists. There are there are very hard line. I think there are very few that would say there's no plan whatsoever for anything about Israel. I haven't met one of those types of supersessionists. There's a more moderated version, though. It depends. Some would say that the church is Israel. Jesus is Israel. Look, these aren't people who are wackadoodles, Perry. They're plenty smart. They just have a different eschatology. It's probably the difference between dispensationalism and covenantalism. So this this isn't like, oh, you idiots, you don't think that Israel's going to be saved. That, that should not be the attitude either way. These are high-minded individuals that simply have an eschatological disagreement. So this should be a loving in-house skirmish. But you're right. It's big. It is big. And the, the other part of that is that uh, it does produce a level of um, within Christendom that would probably fit in the definition of anti-Semitic. But it, it appears to be that Israel deserves this because they're Jesus killers. Yeah, well, that's a different group of people. I, I, I maybe there are some supersessionists that are that way. I, what you're talking, you're talking about two big groups of people. You're talking about probably really like barely Christian in any form or version. And you're talking about the world. They hate Israel. Did you see what's going on on Harvard, the university right. campuses, the politicians? It's like wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, this is such gaslighting that continues to go on. This just kills me, Perry. Canada is taking a look at making sure that like Spotify and Apple, they need to get approval for their platforms in Canada. In other words, they're going to vet their content and they do it under the guise of protecting free speech. What? That that's stifling free speech. That's editing free speech. That's gaslighting. And I think the same thing is true with this particular subject. Gaza, the Muslims, Hamas, they terrorize Israel. Israel responds, and Israel is the bellicose people. It's just absolutely amazing. It's total gaslighting. Um, let me just give you this little thought here, and then we talk about it on the other side of the break. But I had uh, Chris Mitchell on yesterday. We Skyped him in live from, uh, from Israel, and we talked about what's going on over there. And it's horrific, to say the least. Uh, but he did say, watch for the narrative within the next few days to change. And the narrative will be, look what Israel's doing to all the members of Hamas, because now we're going to see their dead bodies in the street. And the narrative right. will change from... Uh, poor Israel to poor Hamas. Yeah, I'm I'm already hearing poor Hamas. That's it's it's staggering. Yeah. Look, we back, back if you remember September 11th, our president told us that that Islam is a religion of peace. Well, you you've got about 13, 14 centuries that would suggest otherwise. Now, who sticks to their holy book? Well, that's a debatable subject, but Hamas isn't getting these ideas out of the blue. It is religiously motivated. And I, look, I, maybe there was a time when a, when a wild hair from Israel did something to a, a relig- um, Islam, 
But overall, this is Islam going after Israel, and our eyes should be turned toward the poor people of Israel who are being attacked. All right, let me take a quick break. Todd Friel's with us, host of Wretched TV. You see his program here on the Dove Television Network. We're proud to carry it, along with a lot of other things that he produces. Uh, and uh, wretched.org is his website. Check it out. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Our good buddy Todd Friel's with us, host of Wretched TV. Wretched.org is his website, and uh, he's also the producer of Road Trip the Truth. You see that uh, on the Dove uh, TV network, Biblical Counseling. And you got one coming out for couples, right? Yes, that's <laughs> Dr. Lou Priolo. It's outstanding. It is a husband and wife. Actually, it's six different couples, real live people with serious marital issues, and you watch the Bible get applied directly to their situation, it's super powerful. Okay, good stuff. Um, let me ask you a simple question. There's about 20 million Jews in the world. Why are they hated? <laughs> I think there's a lot of ways to explain it. I, I, think, I think that you could take a look at the surface. I'd rather take a look at the biblical. And this really brings us back to our conversation about supersessionism versus non-supersessionism. Does God still have a plan for Israel? I believe that he does. I actually brought the Bible verses that I think make that really, really clear. Nevertheless, I believe that the Abrahamic covenant that God cut is still in effect. Remember, he put Abraham to sleep. This was a one-sided covenant. Usually when a covenant is cut, when a contract is made, it, it involves two people. Abraham's promise was from God, based on God. And so it is a promise that is an everlasting covenant. What was the promise? It was threefold. Exodus 12, 15, a land, a nation, and a seed. Well, he's delivered on the promise of the seed. But that land and a nation, these people called the Jewish people, and that particular zip code, according to the Abrahamic covenant, that still belongs to them. And what did we see after about 1,700 years of being dispersed from the land? God restored them to the land, I believe, as a part of the Abrahamic covenant. And I'm getting to the answer to your question. So for 1,700 years, give or take, we had a dispersed people. Do you know what other people group has endured without having a homeland for more than two generations? None. The Jewish people have. I think the Jewish people, the persecution that they receive, and it is a plenty, and yet they continue to endure. They did so without and now with a homeland is a testimony to God's faithfulness to his Abrahamic covenant. It, could it be boiled down that they are God's chosen people and people don't like that title? Well, they don't like that title. Now, you keep coming, you keep bringing this up, the supersessionism thing. Are they still God's chosen people? Now, they certainly would esteem themselves that way because they don't read the New Testament. The debate that we evangelicals are having is, are they God's chosen people? Is there still a plan for them? And personally, I think the answer to that is, 
Absolutely. Perry, may I read some Bible verses for you? Because this is where yeah. I think the debate gets actually quite interesting. So I'm at uh, chapter 11 of Romans. This is Paul's treatise on the nation of Israel. Remember in chapter 9 and even in chapter 10, his heart was breaking for whom? Why not Syria? Why not Lebanon? Why not Spain? No, his heart was breaking for Israel. In fact, he went so far to say, I'd rather take their place. I'd, I'd rather lose my salvation and go to hell so that Israel doesn't have to. Whoa. And then he deals with this subject of what's going on with Israel for three chapters. And here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 11. There's a number of verses you could look at. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. Hmm, interesting. I say then, have they, the Jewish people, stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. We've got, and so all Israel will be saved. Interesting. Verse 28, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, Gentiles, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the Father. So those are verses that indicate there is some sort of plan for Israel. We can debate what it is. This seems to be a salvific plan. But I also think where this gets more interesting is when you scoot back to the Old Testament and the promises made to the Jewish people, an everlasting covenant that I am going to fulfill this for a thousand generations, that these promises, they're made to you, Israel, that there's a Messiah coming and there's going to be a judgment and you are going to be a light to lighten the entire world. Those promises were made directly to Israel. So for the individual, my friend who is a supersessionist, who says, well, all of those promises are fulfilled in the church, you have to explain your hermeneutic. How is it? that you go from a literal promise to a literal group of people in a literal zip code to now in the New Testament saying, no, not for you because you have been replaced, superseded by another. I just think that what makes this little in-house skirmish interesting is how we deal with interpreting the Bible. Are yeah. we going to read those allegorically or literally? So is supersessionism some form of uh, preterism? Uh, well... Oh, man, Perry. <laughs> there's degrees of preterism. There's partial and there's full preterist. It really, it all has to do a lot with eschatology. It has to do with how you read your Bible. Typically dispensationalists, they are going to be non-supersessionists. And so you've got covenantalism versus dispensational. By the way, here, here's this is this is of interest, and maybe this is where we can all sing Kumbaya and see what's happening in Israel and really grieve it because God clearly has a heart for these people. You just have to read Romans 9 through 11. He cares about these people. And we should take a look at church history, and you will see that even those who are supersessionists, John Calvin, Martin Luther, they even agreed. All, all of the English Puritans, the Dutch reformers, the Dutch Puritans, You've got J.C. Ryle right around the turn of the century, all saying there is a spiritual plan for Israel in the future, which means whether you're non-supersessionist or supersessionist, we can all come together and say, God is going to do something for these people who he loves. What it is, we can debate that, but our hearts should be knit together yeah. for the children of Israel. The Bible only calls us to hate one thing, Evil, mm. evil, and we're seeing evil today. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. This is this is an amazing thing. And so that means we have to hate people perpetrating this evil, right? Well, we've also got Jesus' words that we have to love our enemies. So how so, do you balance that? You got less you than know, a minute. I, yeah, it, 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 it's a hard balance. I, th I think that it's not real to say that there shouldn't be some sort of righteous anger. God reveals that in himself. But we are commanded to love our neighbors. So we see the evil that we're, they're doing. We denounce it. We even are willing to lay down our lives for the sake of people who are being assaulted by evil. But our hearts still go out because if these Muslims die without Jesus, they're going to perish and go to hell. So I have a mingling of righteous anger and compassion and love. So would you bargain with a guy with a gun at your front door wanting to kill you? <laughs> no, but you're, oh, you're just, oh, you're bringing up big issues here. No, I wouldn't. Just thought I'd ask. <laughs> no. All right, what are you working on? Ten seconds. What are you working on? What do you got going? Uh, at the moment, the Odyssey, how do we explain the existence of evil and the goodness of God? Oh, wonderful. We really should wrangle with that issue. Okay, We're well, keep up the good work. You and your team, you guys are just doing amazing work over there. Check it out. Wretched.org is the main website. And, of course, you see all the programs that he and his ministry produce here on the Dove Television Network. We're honored to carry it. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you. Um, you know what? I like the Don't little uh, I like the I'll little flap in the back. That looks yeah, good. Yeah. Love you. <laughs> you know what? It kind of makes you look like Elvis. <laughs> oh man. I've had worse compliments. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.